Hello, my name's John and I'm your host on Search for Truth. So thanks for the privilege of your company today. And this week our Bible teacher Brian brings us part two in our series about basic Bible truths. This time Brian considers the new birth in biblical terms. There's also a printed booklet to go with these talks and I'll tell you after Brian's talk how to get a copy. But now let's go to Brian for the new birth. Thanks John. I remember in January 2004, while I was in the Philippines, reading in the Philippine Daily Enquirer newspaper about a moratorium on drug dealers. As a result of an appeal by the Pope, their death sentence was postponed. The newspaper described those on death row waiting for their fate to be determined as being the living dead of the Philippines. Some newspaper headlines are effective. That one must have been, because I've never forgotten it. But here's the point. As sinners in God's sight, everyone born, not only in the Philippines, but anywhere in the world, everyone is born with an eternal death sentence hanging over their heads. In other words, we are all the living dead of this planet. Dead in sins is how the Bible in Ephesians chapter 2 begins to describe those who don't know God. Now, I'm not about to tell you about how that sentence can be postponed, or even about some indefinite moratorium, but to tell you about how God has actually made possible a way back to life for us, a way back to experiencing life in its fullest sense forever. But first, let's fully register the point that our own good works can't save us. This is because, as we've seen, we're actually dead in God's sight because of our sins. That's why we can't even begin to hope that God will be pleased enough by our own good works that he'll agree to let us into heaven. Please allow me to illustrate the thinking of many people so that we can realise for ourselves just how utterly hopeless this kind of thinking is. Let's imagine a dispute between neighbours which comes before a local magistrate. One man is accused of stealing his neighbour's motorbike. Imagine he says this to the magistrate, I am here today to demand justice. I don't want mercy or compassion. I simply want my right to justice. In connection with the theft of the motorbike which I am being accused of, I admit that I did it. But there have been many other days when I did not steal his motorbike. I have even done some good things for him on a few occasions. So on that basis, I demand justice. I demand to be declared innocent and free to go. Now, let me ask you, what do you think the magistrate will say? Will he be convinced by this argument? No, of course not, and neither will God be convinced if we plead that our good works should cancel out our sins. We have to admit that things aren't looking good for us. But I'm here to tell you positively that there's a way back to life with God and Calvary's cross where Jesus, God's Son, died for you is the place where you begin. But what does God require from us? How does Jesus' death on the cross for us actually become effective for each of us personally? Jesus said that unless someone is born again, he or she cannot experience the kingdom of God. What is this rebirth? One famous preacher once illustrated it something like this. Suppose that in the United Kingdom there should be a law passed that admission to a certain position in society could only be open to persons who were born in the United Kingdom. This will allow us to illustrate the difference between behavioural changes that people make in themselves and the real divine work of being born again. 
Suppose then that someone, say a First Nations North American, for instance, should come to the United Kingdom to try to obtain this position. Remember, the one for which the rule is that a person must be born in the United Kingdom in order to obtain the privilege. Suppose he says, OK, but I'll change my name for an English name. But that fails to impress the authorities, for it's clear that he's not born and bred in the United Kingdom. But says our First Nations American friend. I'm even prepared to renounce my native clothing and adopt the latest United Kingdom fashions. But even this further attempt to qualify for the privilege he's seeking fails because the law, as we said, requires that he must be born in the country and without that, whatever his clothing or fashion sense, he simply cannot get the position he's trying for. Let's just interrupt our illustration at this point to say that there are many who consider themselves to be Christian in name and, what's more, have also dressed themselves up in the best of adopted Christian manners, perhaps even attending church regularly, but they're still not eligible for heaven. Well, says the First Nations American, I'll not only adopt the UK dress fashion, but I'll learn their language too. He does that and says, now that I've become thoroughly anglicised, may I not be accepted? However, of course, the answer is still no, and for the same reason, because his is not the correct birth. And so the additional point is, some people even talk like Christians, except that they're without a genuine Christian heart. In summary, to have the name of a professing Christian, to have the appropriate manners or way of life, even to talk the language of the prayer book or the hymn book, is not enough. Heaven is for those with the correct birth. To be a true Christian, you must be born one, or should I say, reborn as one. Heaven is for those who have the second and spiritual birth. We've just said that this new birth is spiritual, and so to begin to understand more about it, let's compare and contrast it with our natural birth. The natural birth of a baby is usually a source of joy for the parents, their family and friends. It's the beginning of a new life. Someone's born who's at the beginning of a life with all the expectations that brings. But the new birth is a far bigger event than natural birth, for it's the beginning of eternal life, a life that will never come to an end. When a baby is born, its name is registered in the population registers on earth. But when we're born again, our names are written in a book in heaven. The new birth brings so much joy with it, both in heaven and in earth. The angels in heaven rejoice over anyone who repents, and those on earth who already love God also rejoice when someone is born again. But is there really such a birth? The Bible says so. In fact, Jesus Christ himself, we may say, coined the expression. He was talking one evening to a high churchman of his day, someone called Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a fine, upstanding pillar of society, a very religious man, but Jesus told him very plainly that he needed to be born again. Jesus went on to query Nicodemus' lack of understanding of this fact. It would seem Jesus expected him to have understood the words of one of the major Old Testament prophets as indicating already such a new birth. This new birth experience takes place by the work of God's Spirit in anyone who believes in what God's Word says. Yes, it's a work the Spirit of God does in us through the Word of God. As the disciple Peter wrote, we've been born again through the living and enduring 
Word of God. That's 1 Peter 1 and 23. Which means it doesn't happen when we're baptised in water. No, water baptism can't bring about this kind of change. But it happens when we believe in the Bible and what it says about Christ and about us. So how can we be born again? Well, we must believe God's word, everything in it with regard to ourselves and Christ. God tells us that there is no one righteous, not even one, in Romans 3 and verse 10. We've sinned against God who created us. We're alienated from him. By nature, we don't love him. There's no part of our being that can possibly commend us to God, for ours is a futile mind, a darkened understanding, a calloused heart, and an impure sensuality with greed. Do you see how sin has affected every part of our being? That's how the Bible describes us, and we need to come to terms with it, with the unreserved realisation that we are dead through our trespasses and sins, as we've heard before. That was the Bible text we began with, and that's why we must be born again. A behavioural change alone won't cut it, can't change our hearts. We need a new nature, and so a supernatural new birth. In short, we need a miracle in order to become acceptable to God. The first step in this miraculous experience is to confess our sins to God, affirming that what he says about us is true. What does he say? He says we're sinners. The second step is to believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ, God's Son, took our place and died for our sins. We have to say from the depths of our hearts, He died for me. We must turn to Jesus Christ, the only Saviour. This is our part in God's plan of salvation. God's part is to bring about the major change itself, the new birth, through God's Spirit coming to live within us. The Bible says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Those words you'll find in John's Gospel, chapter 1, verses 12 and 13. Can we know that we've been born again? We can, for sure. We can know it with certainty, because the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. Romans 8:16. The Lord Jesus said, Whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has everlasting life and shall not come into judgment, but has passed from death into life. John 5 and 24. Did you notice the ring of assurance in that text? This eternal life, this born-again experience, means you're freed by the God who loves you and you're accepted by the Saviour who died for you. Accept this offer. Please don't fail to do so or you'll be forever lost. The life you have now, which started out in natural birth, is short and perhaps soon to end. Be wise, repent and accept Christ today. Are you born again? Then rejoice in God. Don't go back to the old way of life and live for yourself only. Give your life to him who died for you. Invite him every day to fellowship with you. And he'll come. That's the amazing thing. Through his spirit, he'll change your life. So you'll be able to say, Christ lives in me. Make him known to others around you. Because if you do, he'll confess you to the angels of God. Be a witnessing and joyful Christian. Feed the new life you now have through prayer, faith and biblical fellowship. Read daily in God's word, for it's to our inner being what food is to our stomach. And may the Lord be with you in a powerful way as you enjoy the new life he freely gives.
Now, as I said before Brian's talk, if you'd like to receive one of the books for this series, please tell us and make sure to let us have your personal postal address. As for the title, Basic Bible Truths, and you can order by email or by post, Search for Truth, Haste Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wooten Bassett, Swindon, SN4, 8DY, UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. Now, you may be interested to know that you can listen again to many of these broadcasts off-air by audio podcast or MP3 versions. If you go to www.searchfortruth.podbean.com, you can browse the list of previous talks, which you'll see has been categorised to assist you to find what you're looking for. So now we've reached the end of this uh, broadcast today. So many thanks once again for the pleasure of your company. And I hope you'll be able to join us again next week when, God willing, we'll be looking into the eternal security of our Christian faith. So until then, very best wishes from Brian, David, our singers and me, John. So goodbye and may God richly bless you. Life is worth